Two creative heads in foreign lands working at the intersection of creativity, leadership, and culture. Dan Wilden, David James Kennedy, Milan, Oslo, Rogue Minds. Rogue Minds, David James Kennedy here in Oslo, Daniel Wilden in Milan. What are we going to talk about today, Dan? We're going to talk about something really important for anyone that works in the creative industries, um, in advertising and communications, or anything that involves an output with more than one person, and that is feedback and the importance of that from a leadership perspective. Whoa! So we're going to go. We're going to go over a few notes. We're going to go over a few things. So why so many leaders struggle with it? Why so many creatives struggle with it? Also, why it's important to do it well, or ways that they may have done it badly in the past. And then we'll look into what we know works, what we know doesn't work, and even some practical tips. So what does good feedback look like? What does poor feedback look like as well? And what can we do um, to maximize that? So David, why don't you take us away with uh, the first area, which we're looking at, um, is leaders struggling with it. What's the hardest thing for people who have to give or receive feedback? Let's look at it from both sides. We, if you're listening, we are not experts in this at all, but we are fascinated by the topic and that's why we want to talk about it because it's something that we've um, both struggled with. We've been on the side where we haven't given good feedback and we've been on the side where we have also not received the feedback that we need. But let's get into it. So why are so many people afraid of feedback? Uh, I can think of a few options relationship is so important in the workplace or in teams or whatever environment you're in if you're working in the the creative industries or if you're working for a non-for-profit people take it seriously and it can often be the thing that dismantles relationships or kills productivity or pulls teams apart have you ever experienced that dan where there's been some feedback in a team that's working really well together and then something happens, feedback is given, maybe it's not facts, it's just opinion, it's not communicated well, and all of a sudden you've got issues within a team environment. Yeah, I experience this all the time. And I think I think we do have a little bit of authority to speak on this topic because we both failed a lot at this, both receiving True. and giving it. Um, even recently, even this week, um, I had a bit, bit of a breakdown with a, a creative project when it came to feedback um, and there's many reasons we'll go into that throughout. But one of the main things is people can take it so personally, especially people that are working creatively. Um, and there are ways to avoid upsetting people. And for me, one of my main points in this whole topic is if the communication is frequent, if the communication happens at the right time. So it's a big case of planning well. You need a good project manager because creatives aren't always great managers. I happen to be coming from a bit of a weird hybrid background where I've been a project manager, but also a creative. So I'm probably a little bit more able in this way to see when a project's not set up well. But if it's not set up well with the right milestones and check-ins, people can really go down the wrong road um, or they can get too far down a wrong road, uh, which could have easily been avoided. So for me, one of the big things is managing it well and planning well. But on the other side of things, there's always, it doesn't matter how well you plan it, sometimes creative minds will just go in a direction that they believe in, but the feedback, whether they like it or not, is going to be hard to hear. So that's one of my things uh, that I've always had a bit of trouble with is telling a creative, no, you've missed the brief, you've got it a bit wrong here. Dave, what are some of the ways that you work when it comes to giving feedback to a creative or to a team 
that you know is going to be hard for them to hear? I don't have a definite answer for that, and I think that's why it's so good that we're that we're talking about this. I think one thing for me is always to to ensure that I have some sort of level of relationship with the person because that's where it becomes so important. If I start on a new project, I'm working with a new team, one of my first things is always going to be to ask the person some questions about what they like to do, who they are, what they like to do with their spare time, and just get a little bit under the under the skin, so to speak, and learn a little bit more about them so there is a sense of, okay, this guy is interested in me uh, regardless of the job, and it's not always performance-based uh, because one of the things that we can talk a bit, a, bit, a bit in this podcast as well is seeing the person versus seeing the performance. But when it comes to the start, I always try and, and, and talk to the person, develop a little bit of a relationship. And I find that that foundation, if I have that in place, it's much easier then to speak to people when there's a sense of understanding of how each other works, what, it, what makes each other tick, how each other re- responds to different things. And it allows me to communicate a bit more straight up based on the person's, the person's needs and their responders. And that's something I don't always get right, but that's something I always try and do. I always try and see the person first before the task and then look at how I can speak to the person in a way that motivates them and helps them do a better job and vice versa. That's how I like it to be done as well to me. Like if someone just comes in and says, do this, that's not good enough. Sometimes the walls can go up or, you you know, the creative rogue in me can kind of, you know, stick the middle finger up at them and say, what the hell are you doing? Uh, but I, I find in, in, in years of getting it wrong and the occasional times of getting it right, having that relational foundationship is so important because feedback from a leadership perspective and from a peer-to-peer perspective has killed so many relationships and killed so many great teams, teams that you've been a part of, teams that I've been a part of. Uh, maybe you have a, a, a good experience that you can share that's something you really, you've seen where relationship and, and kind of feedback has, has broken something down or maybe a positive example. I'm glad that you brought up that topic, Dave, because I come at this from the other way. My struggle is always to see the person rather than the task. And it's something I've been working hard on in recent years. It becomes painfully evident when you're crushing people um, to get the job done. Um, So it's something I have to work really hard at myself personally. So I feel I can talk into that a bit. One of the things you need to be aware of is people pour themselves into these projects, especially males. I think we have a bigger problem with um, going down the road of giving birth to this idea and and feeling ownership of it only to have it squashed. And the relationship thing is super important, um, of course. So I think some of the success stories is when you've had buy-in, getting buy-in as early as possible. And that just means sharing, communicating a lot Um, making sure you have those whips where you're catching up, talking, even if it's just five minutes, a few times a day. And that just stops anyone going too far off in the wrong direction. Um, But also helping people to achieve something because whether it's paid or not for profit, you're probably trying to achieve something good. And if you've helped people to achieve something, it gets easier as you go on and do more projects with people. Um, They know that you have the project in mind or the goal in mind. So they don't mind um, sort of strong feedback, but that has to happen at the start. It's really hard at the end when it's too late to change anything. And 
I mean, we, we know feedback works. I mean, when we do research for our, our podcast, we don't just write down notes. We do our research. We read. We learn. We we gather insight. And, I mean, there's a million statistics out there about these things. Now, one thing's for sure, Rogue Minds isn't going to be a statistical podcast. But stats are there, and they are what they are, and it, it's proven that um, – that you know, positive feedback it, it leads to highly engaged and highly productive teams. But maybe Dan, you want to get real honest if you can, and I can do this as well, and give an example of when you have received like really bad feedback and what it did to you. I have an example even from this week, so I can get a little bit specific and. I sort of put aside some of the things I knew about getting early buy-in and having check-ins. Sometimes a project just, it just runs a bit wonky. It just doesn't quite, you can't quite line up and do all the catch-ups. Um, and I actually spent a couple of days working on a project in the recent weeks. And then the whole thing got canned because it didn't get buy-in from everyone. So for me, what that did was that was quite demotivating. That took the wind out of the sails a bit. But, you know, I've been here before, so I'll recover quickly from that. But it was just a reminder of getting the key stakeholders to buy into something. On this occasion, it was a creative thing that I'd done some production on um, and it got canned. So that can be, that's, it was a good reminder of how crushing it can be when you think you've got something finished, you think you've got something good. And then because people weren't really involved into in the process early, it was really easy for them just to trash it. And that was feedback that came too late. So that could have stopped me going too far down a creative road. And I've been on the delivery end of that very similar scenario as well. So um, it's not something unfamiliar to me. So we have to be careful that we are getting, giving the feedback in a way that builds and helps. There's that whole, um, that sandwich technique of encouragement and then the turd in the middle and then encouragement again. <laughs> um, but that's a bit cliche. I think we don't have to get to to that point if we can help it. Do you have an occasion? So I've talked about the receiving end. Maybe you've been on the delivering end of, uh, of something that you know had a detrimental effect on relationship. Because I know in my scenario, I didn't want to talk to those people for a couple of days. <laughs> um, how about you? Have you been on the, the delivering end? Let's get an example from that side. On the delivering end is in me giving to someone else. Yeah, when have you crushed someone or some, uh, some people? <laughs> I've crushed too many people, sadly. And <laughs> if those people, if those people are listening, I'm sincerely sorry. And they're probably they're probably listening to this, going, "This idiot is the last person who should be ha- have a microphone in front of their mouth." I talked about the need to see the person before the task, and I'm actually naturally geared the same as you, Dan, where I see the task first. But I've I've been trying for years now. I've been working and I feel I'm getting better at it to actually see the person first and trying to separate the person from the task, which can be hard to do. Many times I've seen just the task and I've just trampled people or I've said things often. uh, I've done this many times and often I've received this many times is just vague feedback, just verbal diarrhea just you know vomiting all over someone with with actual no real facts no real kind of actionable and usable <laughs> information that they can use to do something better and it's often it's just been opinion and also it's often just been in the heat of the moment and i think that's one of the biggest things i've learned is to try and keep my mouth shut in the moment uh, which you know for me is is hard dan <laughs> <laughs> and me and me yeah, <laughs> is to try and keep the mouth shut and, and formulate 
what I see and write things down, whether it be on my phone or a notepad or whatever I have with me. And then actually when I do deliver feedback, try and deliver the facts, not opinion. Uh, because, and we'll talk about this a bit a little bit later. If you're leading teams and you don't have context for what they do and the skill they bring or the or something they bring, your context can be way off compared to what their context is. And I think that's often a big challenge. But for me, it's been times where I've been vague, where I've just shouted it out and barked out something that had no real kind of uh, sense, didn't make sense, and didn't give, give anyone a plan to move forward. And often um, opinion that wasn't founded in actual facts or things written down, just what was in my head at the time in the spur of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. When you say it's spur of the moment, if you have like if you have a recurring project, if you have a recurring production, or um, you have people that you're trying to raise and get them to an elevated level, of course, as the senior person, let's talk to the seniors or the, the leaders at the minute. You could do a probably better job right now, but that doesn't help your team to grow in future. And also, it's the same if you're anything like me. You'll be in a, in a production, you'll be on set, you'll be in a service, whatever that looks like, and you'll just be writing dozens of notes down. If you, if I was to go and deliver all my feedback, it would just really deflate what is usually pretty good for the people involved. And I think it's definitely a good idea to come back um, and give that that feedback after the heat of the moment has passed. Because you know, if you if you deliver it the next day, you probably will leave out seventy percent of the little tiny details that weren't super important, and you'll just focus on the big the big uh, moments that need to be fixed, the big details. Um, of course, if there's a small thing that you can fix in the moment, you do that. Um, but I think coming back to the person rather than the task, we're trying to take people somewhere. We're trying to help them get somewhere and get skilled. And we remember when we were that junior person or that person developing or learning, the encouraging feedback which helped you incrementally was way more powerful than just having your project slam because it wasn't great. Because if we're honest, there's always someone that could do it better than us. Um, but we're trying to take people to a new level of skill. So I like your point about um, the heat of the moment. It's just keeping your mouth shut. And I think you and I both have a bad case of foot in mouth disease often when it comes to just to saying what comes off the top of our head. But that's we. this is our podcast, so we can say whatever we want. <laughs> we do have a case of uh, foot and mouth disease, but I can say from my experience being on the delivery end, there has been times where I've actually destroyed people's confidence in my team and that I'm working with on a project. And it's taken me two weeks to to up to like three months to get them back on side and get them back to a place where they're wanting to work together again. And I think that's one of the things um, that's so important is with, with seeing the person is understand how people respond. Some people are super, super fragile and other people just love being hit straight in the face with, with, with feedback and, you know, they're, they're happy to kind of argue it out or whatever, but really understanding what motivates and what makes a person tick is really important, how they respond. And that's something I'm, I'm always trying to be, be aware of because, um, you know, the heat of the moment doesn't think about that. The heat of the moment is just, I got it out. Now I feel better. Let's move on. And often you don't have any idea of the absolute destruction you've left in the wake of those, uh, those heated comments. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to comments, something that I found really helpful is to do it face to face 
or at least on a, on a call. I think text messages or emails, uh, they're just not the best because yeah. like me, I can just type pretty fast and I can just smash out a whole bunch of critiques. But people don't see the tone. They don't understand the importance. So they just see all these bullet points or all these texts and they will take it as a criticism. So I think delivering the feedback is something we need to get quite good at. It's also good to have uh, a few people around that conversation because having more than one person there can really diffuse or really make it clear what you're trying to achieve because someone might just think you're attacking them or you're attacking their work or, or pulling it apart. Uh, I think a lot gets said, a lot can be said um, face-to-face, uh, which will actually be received in a completely different light than a, a text or an email. So I think when it comes down to planning your projects is definitely have those work in progress catch-ups. It can be quick, it can be painless, and it can be really effective just to hammer things out very quickly uh, face-to-face. And it gives people a chance to reply in the moment too. Um, we do need, when we're giving feedback, to hear where that person's at because sometimes they'll try and fight their corner and they'll try and argue for the decisions they've made and you can either give way a bit and compromise or you can just sort of have that dialogue very quickly where you go back and forward pretty quickly and then you come to a resolution, you come to an agreement. But Dave, maybe I just want to throw a slightly different angle at this. Um, we're not always the senior people. It's not always our decision when you're under leadership, when you have um, a client or a stakeholder giving you the call, what's some ways that you can work well when it comes to receiving, um, I guess, leadership calls that you might not necessarily uh, agree with when it comes to feedback, but you know you have to do it? Yeah. Understanding this is this is where wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever level you're at, this is why this is why things such as values and mission and vision, This is, I, I believe this is why they exist because they're anchors that keep people on track. They keep creative teams on track. They keep people in alignment. And it's 2020 and it's very easy to talk about vision and values and USPs and differentiation and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, vision and values and, and, and mission are so important because they're the bigger picture. And they're the bigger picture when in the heat of a moment or in a project where you've been, maybe you're working on a small project that could be a week or two turnaround, but it's quite intense, or you might be working on a large project that is, is you know, three to six months or more. It's very easy to get just kind of in a box and not really, you, you lose context and you lose, you can lose sight of the bigger picture. So I think the important thing for me is always to, that I've had to work on is always take the criticism, positive or negative, the feedback, and then look at it, look at myself, and then look at it in the context of the big picture. And that's been something that uh, is not always easy to do, but that's something that I try and do all the time. What is the big picture here? What are we trying to achieve together? Is the feedback that I've received from you, Dan, is that bigger than what we are going to achieve together? Or is it not? And And often it's not. And if, if it is, if it was really painful and hurting and, and I felt it was delivered wrong, then like you said, sit down, get face-to-face and chat about it. But very rarely is the feedback bigger than the, than the, than the, the value or the, the vision or the mission that you are aspiring to. And it, it takes the ego out of it too. I think ego is a big word to, to throw into here. So the, the reason people may uh, respond poorly to something is maybe they had some of themselves wrapped up in that. And having that that value, that vision, 
that brief, whatever you want to call it, having that, it should take the ego out of something. So if someone starts pointing to themselves saying, but this is how I want to do it, you have a an easy reference to say, but this is what we're looking to achieve. Um, I think in the times where I've probably taken feedback poorly in creative things, let's talk about songwriting or fine art, usually it's when somebody damages or bruises your ego a bit that you respond in the most ugly way. So it's great to have that that mm-hmm. bigger vision um, and and a, and a small thought actually on that on the creative things. If you are working with people in co-writes or you're doing collaborative projects, I think comparison is a very ugly thing too. There's nothing worse than going, "Hey, mm. here's my output. This is what I'm working on, or what I'm thinking, or here's my idea." And someone says, "Ah, oh, that sounds like this, or that looks like that." It sort of really uh, diminishes what they did by comparing it. Um, some people aren't, might not be aware that they've accidentally plagiarize something, you know, that's okay. You can sort of point that out. Um, but other times comparison can be a very ugly thing. And when people compare themselves, this is probably a whole other topic of discussion, to be honest, comparison and, and ego, but um, it can really it can really stir up some some unattractive responses. So I think being positive and there's all sorts of creative brainstorm um, techniques where you're not allowed to say no, you're only allowed to say yes. You're not allowed to compare or, or pull up other references. There's all sorts of great tools um, that we can talk about when it comes to that. But I think, um, like you said, if there's a big vision, if there's a big goal and a clear brief, your ego should very easily be able to take be taken out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, off, and feedback is designed, uh, it's designed to make you better. It's designed to make us all better. Um, because we don't all have it figured out, and I, I, I some of the um, some of the worst feedback or the most harshest um, criticisms I've received have actually been the best for me in the long run that have helped shaped me and how I how I work, how I do things, how I approach things. So, you know, we're talking about positive feedback and we're talking about negative feedback, but sometimes negative feedback is just as good or even better than positive feedback. Have you had that experience? Oh, yes. I don't think a, a tree or a plant ever enjoys being pruned, but the growth that comes after that can be so much more important. So if you just kept going and growing the way you were would have done without positive feedback or even let's say negative feedback in this case, for you receiving it, you might think this is negative. Actually, it's a positive thing. Um, I was using the analogy in a conversation with when there's a big forest fire or a big bushfire or something tears through, it's it can be really destructive, but then the growth that comes from that afterwards is completely different. The landscape's changed. It can be the same for us when we receive quite scarring feedback. And I think the scars can be what makes us interesting, um, not just from creative storytelling, but also from uh, from a wisdom point of view. If you never were corrected, if you're never taught or disciplined or changed or, or had feedback, you're not going to be a healthy grown-up by the time you get to work on these projects. So I think um, having strong feedback can be really hard in the time, in the moment, but very quickly that new growth starts to come and it can be it can be super important. In fact, it is super important for everyone to have someone they're accountable to, someone that they give permission to give them feedback, to point out those blind spots they're not aware of, or on the projects, the options that they haven't considered so that's it's paramount paramount importance for sure. Yeah, maybe we are getting a little bit off topic, but I think it's good. And uh, let's go there. How many people do you see, Dan? I mean, the creative industries, not for profit um, sector, they are 
constantly shifting. They're shifting seas. The landscape is changing from many different factors, both internal and external. Are you surprised about how many people who come into working within the creative industries are surprised by this? Because if you've been around longer than a couple of years, you realize it's always up, it's always down. The moment you get comfortable, something shifts. The moment you get good at that, new technology comes or new ways of doing things arrives and all of a sudden you are constantly kept on your toes. Do you find people often um, struggle to understand that and they think they come into this and it's safe, it's comfortable, now I can just sit and do what I do without being challenged, without getting uh, criticism or feedback or without being pushed forward to develop and grow? Yeah, the uh, the future that we're heading into, it requires agile thinkers, um, especially in the creative or advertising industries, especially anything related to digital media or technology. If you don't have a mind open to shifting and pivoting, then you're going to really struggle to keep up. And it doesn't mean that you have to be online doing stud- studying different courses or skilling up all the time. I think it's more, it's probably more of a posture of I'm open to hear about what's happening in the world. Um, because um, I've I've heard stats about the vast majority of jobs that will exist in the future haven't even been created yet. So we don't really know what's coming, but we do know the sort of disciplines and the sort of thinking that people need to have. I think the last few jobs that I had, it wasn't as much a case of you have the skills to do it. It's more you have the mindset and the attitude that can adapt to doing whatever needs to be done. Um, so I think if you're good at receiving feedback, people are going to want to work with you. They're going to be really keen for, let's not forget that it's not just a, a life of we have one project and we move on. There's going to be many times we intersect with people and creatives and and projects and agencies and briefs and not-for-profits. We have lots of projects and lots of opportunity. So if you're a good time to work with, if you're open to feedback and actually you get on with it and and you grow and you have a great attitude towards feedback because you need to have that, then you're going to get more work. You're going to get uh, you're going to be more fun to work with. So I think it's super important to grow in your agility um, and in your willingness to to receive feedback. If we were talking about it from uh, a teachable perspective, that's probably another topic that I think in our world we hear a lot on. If you're teachable, if if people can speak to you and you're willing to hear it, that's great. But you know, there's people that's really hard to give them feedback. You just don't want to work with them again. It's uh, and we have a choice. We have choices on who we who we get to work with. So, I think if I can give people a bit of personal advice, it's be good to work with, be open to feedback, and just take your ego out of the equation wherever you can, and you're going to do really well. Yeah, you t- you talked a little bit about skill set versus mindset. And I'm going to jump on that and ask you the question. When it comes to, you know, you talked about people being teachable, people being open. Do you want skill set or do you prefer the mindset? What's more important? Because often you have super skilled people and because they're highly skilled and they know it, they're completely closed off. Then you have less skilled people, but they know they need to improve and they're willing to lean in and learn and they're willing to do whatever it takes on a project to make it happen. They have a mindset that differentiates them from the more skilled person, which in your experience is, is better, skill set or mindset? There's a bit of a tension within me when it comes to answering that question because I know I should say I'd rather have the person with the right mindset but also sometimes we just need to get the job done. So it's a case of a bit of both. It depends. If I have a good team or I have a large amount of people involved, 
I'm going to go for the mindset every time because if there's enough people to carry the weight together, then it's going to be a better project. It's going to be um, better work. It's going to be a better output. Sometimes you just have to go with the the nightmare person who's actually going to do a, a fantastic job and will be a little bit prickly to work with. So it depends. And then there's other times where you don't have a choice. You've got the team. You've got the team that have been allocated to you. You've got the resource that have been given. And I think it's a case of trying to get that relationship going. You said it before, Dave. If you have a relationship with someone, it's it makes a huge difference when it comes to giving feedback and when it comes to getting the job done. I've had some pretty difficult, pretty uh, moody creatives I've had to work with before. And that was just because people weren't approaching them the right way. They had a certain manner that you needed to embrace. Um, and it's funny, there's not many industries in the world where you can have a hissy fit or or throw a tantrum and walk out and we will be the ones chasing you saying, we're very sorry that we gave you that <laughs> feedback. Please come back. Having to bribe people to do the job they're paid for. Um, that's not unusual in our industry, especially when they've had a bit of success. But f- by far and away, my favorite people to work with are the ones who are willing um, to learn and they are teachable. They are agile. So even if they don't have the skill, they'll work it out in the job or I'll help them work on it or we'll get other people in the mix. So so for sure, mindset over skill set, but sometimes you just have to get the job done and you should work out how to work with uh, with all sorts of difficult people. What about you, Dave? Have you? Um, what's your take on this? What do you prefer? I agree 100% with you. It's Sometimes it's skill set and other times it's mindset. Uh, and you know, the challenge can actually be picking which one you need to go with sometimes. Um, you know, if you're leading a project, you know, we're talking about from a leadership perspective right now. If you're leading a project, sometimes you, as Dan said, you've got to just get the job done. Turnarounds are tight. Uh, budgets are tight. Uh, there's not time and hours to spend on perhaps someone who's much slower, who has the right attitude, and but they take an extra 15 hours to get it there. So sometimes you just got to work with those prickly relationships and get it done. And other times you find you have the space and time to bring someone on board and really work with their mindset and upskill them. And so I'm I'm the same the same as you. But let's let's bring in let's bring in the other two pillars of this of this um, podcast. We talk about the intersection of creativity, leadership, and culture. We're talking about leadership and feedback. But if we bring in creativity now to the mix, Dan, and culture. Tell me, what can lack of feedback from leadership do to creative output and team office culture? Yeah, poor poor feedback or poor leadership can really derail something. And unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes you'll find yourself in a position where the, the hierarchy being the way it is, you just have to make do with it. But I think if you're a leader and you get to set the culture, um, you have a lot of power in your hands to make something an awesome uh, place to be, make somewhere an awesome place to be. If the culture is one of we're open to feedback, we talk about the process and we we are always tweaking our process. I, I once worked in an agency where I think they sent through a different creative brief template every month for about six months because they were so uh, they understood how important it was to have the right process for setting the team up for a win, having those feedback and doing it correctly. Um, and actually it saw some great dividends. But um, coming back to your question, I think if you've got a strong culture um, and the values are there and the goals are all there, you can point to that and you're going to all be working in the same direction. On the other side, 
if you don't have that set out well, you're just going to be leaving fatalities everywhere. You're going to have people by the wayside who are just burnt out or they're destroyed. Uh, and also, unfortunately, in some not-for-profits, that is also the way it is. It's not actually a, a democracy. It's a bit more of a kingdom mindset. You guys have to get this done and this is the way it is. This has come from from the leadership so just make do. And that's also somewhere we need to be able to work within. Right. And what would you say? I mean, so we're talking about there a little bit of a little bit of um disengaged employees or disengaged volunteers. We're talking about a sense of um, you know, a little bit chaotic and a little bit um people's feelings getting hurt, people getting burnt out, people not feeling valued. So the flip side, positive feedback and focused feedback from leadership. To creative, um, to creatives and team culture, what can that create? I know from my experience, when I've had um, encouragement or people have been um, really developing me and helping me get along, that's been such a positive place to be. Um, that's been such a, an encouraging atmosphere, and that really pushes creativity. It's very hard to be creative or productive when you feel like you can't take a step because you're going to do the wrong thing. I think we need to make. Um, we need to make uh, it a safe place for people to bring ideas, for people to bring their work without it getting trampled on because there's nothing, wor- nothing worse than bringing your work, bringing your creative labors, being scared that it's actually going to be slapped down or, or, or pulled apart. I think that a culture which is open to suggestion is super important. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes the, the offering people will bring forward is not correct or it's not right. So as leaders, we have to be kind. Uh, we have to have that culture of, of kind feedback. But I think it needs to come from a place of truth and relationship. If, it, if we're being honest and we're not attacking the person, we're just um, being critiquing it in a, in a constructive way, they need to be able to receive that. But also it needs to be a safe place for them to bring their ideas. So there, there's a few tensions to navigate there. Well, let's move on and talk about the final part of our podcast today, the final section. And Dan, let's talk about what are some of the practical things we can do to become better at giving feedback with the goal of helping our teams, our people, our projects, our businesses, our agencies move forward. So let's let's jump into that. And I'd love to um, I'd love to reference a good friend of ours and someone who's been a, a mentor and a coach to both of us over the years, and that's um, a leadership coach called Anna Loback. Doctor Loback, she's great. Doctor Lo Doctor Loback, and we will have her on this show at some point for sure. We should definitely have her on here, shouldn't we? Oh yeah, I'd love to get some wisdom from from Doctor Loback. Doctor Loback. Now, Doctor Loback also happens to be a trained. Um, business psychologist, uh, amongst many other things. She has lots of fancy numbers and letters after her name that tells you that she's super smart. Uh, do you have any letters or numbers after your name yet, Dan? Uh, I'd rather not comment. <laughs> I don't have any yet, but maybe one day with the help of Dr. Loback, um, I will have some numbers and letters after my name. But she talks a lot about the desk feedback model, which is super important for teams, whether you're starting out mid-senior level, whatever it might be at the top, and that is to use this desk model. And one of the things she talks about so often is that people's brains respond to facts. It's important that feedback is facts. And I talked about that a little bit earlier, Dan, where in my early days I would just throw out opinion and I would just you know kind of verbal 
diarrhea, verbal vomit over someone, what I thought and what I what I felt rather than actually waiting to get the facts. But um, let's go through this. Do you want to take us through desk feedback model, Dan? Well, I think the first one is describe. So we need to be really clear uh, and, and have the thought formulated. I think when you come into giving feedback, you can't just wing it. You actually have to have a very clear, concise um, point to make. So that's the first one, describe. And I like what you said before, um, an opinion is not a contribution, so to speak. Yeah, and the second one is E, which is for express, and that's really important. And uh, I mean, this desk, this, uh, this desk feedback model is something that I've heard Anna speak about many times and I've used it and it really does help. Uh, the expression part and expressing is so important. So giving feedback and expressing how that person's or how that team's, uh, what they're saying, what they're doing, their performance, maybe it's the way they're talking, their attitude, expressing to them how that makes an impact in both a positive way and a negative way. What is the knock-on effect of uh of what they are doing. And that's, I think that's really important again to, um, to make them understand the bigger picture, link it back to the goal, link it back to what we are trying to achieve, but also give them the understanding of what it will achieve when they act a certain way. Jumping into the next one, which is S for solutions or sharing solutions. I think, um, a friend of mine often says, uh, an opinion is not a contribution, Coming with a solution is always the better way to do it. And I've been looking through a lens throughout this conversation of mostly creative projects or or not-for-profit organizations or productions, but actually feedback is really important when it comes to personal behavior as well. Sometimes it can be um, actually addressing an issue or, or behavior that's that's super important to address because it's detrimental to that person and the people around them. So uh, when you talked about expressing uh, what effect it has, how it makes people feel, the next thing to do is look at the solutions and to offer some solutions. If that's creatively, it's offering some creative ideas or next steps. If it's actually to do with a behavioral thing that you're addressing or feeding back, it's what can we do differently? Solutions, yeah. It's always good to be a solution-oriented person and solution-focused rather than problem-focused. Commitment is super important. That's the C in desk, commitment. People need to know that you are committed to helping them move forward and that you're committed to their future. That doesn't mean if you're a leader that you need to say you're going to keep them employed for the next 20 years, but what they want to know is that you are happy to help them along on the journey and one of your key um, kind of factors in them being there is that you want to take them forward. And that's something really important to make sure that people feel safe and show them that you are committed to them getting better at what they do for them, not just for you, not just for what you need done as a business leader or a team leader or a not-for-profit leader, but for them and their future and what they want to do. Yeah. And if you look through the mirror of uh, the final one in desk, which is C for commitment, you could also flip that and say it could also stand for consequence. If people aren't actually meeting the criteria or, or if they're not taking the feedback on board, the consequences could either be on a very light level, we're just not going to have a great output here, or on a more serious level, you can't continue to function in this way. So we can look at the serious end of feedback, which is 
what are the consequences of what you're doing here? Because if if it's not going to work, then sometimes you might have to have a difficult conversation of taking someone off a project, taking someone out of a position, which is obviously the last thing you want to do. But unfortunately, it's the reality. Sometimes feedback is hard and feedback is needed. And it could also be a correction thing, which is with a behavior that's all, always difficult. So coming back to one of the first points that you made, Dave, is that needs to come from a place of relationship because no one wants to get feedback on their behavior or something that's potentially actually personal and and can feel like a a personal attack. If you have a relationship, that's okay. So sometimes it's a case of sending the right person in to deliver that feedback too, if it's about something a bit more personal or something a bit more touchy than just a creative decision they're making. So that's the desk, the desk model of feedback. It's a good one and I encourage people to to use it. It's something that both me and Dan have heard and we've used and we're continually using. We are not perfect at it. Again, reminding you guys that you know we are not experts in this. This is something that everyone struggles with and, and we want to get better at it and we want to share whatever we can and whatever learnings we have with you guys as well. To throw a slightly different angle on this, We've been talking a lot about creatives. That's just where our our brains go or relationships. That's where our hearts go. But actually, there's another factor and that's financial feedback. So if you've ever had to deal with a finance department or the people writing the contracts or a legal team, you have to give them feedback in a very different way. They they don't like um, this sort of from the hip, just quick fire stuff. Like you actually need to go and meet them, set set the scenario. It's it's one of that, that point that you made earlier, Dave, where we're talking about you need to know the person you're talking to and yes, their context. If their context is I'm a legal person, I have the law, everything needs to be perfectly straight laced and has to make sense and be in the right order, you have to speak to them very differently. And the people that do really well in this world or in creative worlds or in uh, advertising or marketing or comms, they know how to talk to the suits as well. They know how to talk to the finance department. They know how to talk to the legal department. So yeah, giving them feedback, if you can understand where they're coming from, um, it often helps you to frame the way that you have the conversation because sometimes they'll say, you've got no budget for this, go away. And you can actually give them feedback. Well, if you can release some budget on this, we can achieve this. And there's a way to talk to them. So I think coming around the corner a bit and and having the conversation face-to-face or booking. And and this is another thing which might be helpful. You can't just roll into their office. You need to put a, uh, an invitation in their diary and find a time when they're ready and willing. You can't just do it off the cuff. So there's a certain order. You need to talk to some people in a more orderly manner. So whereas... People like you and I, Dave, might just walk in and say, why'd you cut my budget? What are you doing? That that doesn't work for them. They'll just, they'll just curl up into a prickly ball and just tell you to get out of their office. Whereas if you go through the, jump through the hoops, you'll get a lot further. I think it's time, Dan. We, we, give our, we give our listeners a challenge every podcast, every time we do a podcast. What can our challenge be for this podcast, Leadership and feedback today, Dan. Any idea on what we can make that so we can uh, give our guys and girls who are listening uh, something to put into action uh, between now and the next time we talk? Yeah, I have a good, I have a thought on this. I think we're talking about feedback. Just because you're in a position of leadership, I think the challenge could be seek out some feedback, proactive feedback. Go and ask some people what are the blind spots? What are the things I'm not aware of that I should be working on? 
because um, I had a friend who was kind enough to have a call with me a week or two ago and point out some blind spots. And it wasn't pretty at the time, but it was it's already helping me. So I th- my challenge, it comes from direct experience. Give people permission to speak into your blind spots, to give you feedback that you're not aware that you need to know. Well, just concluding this, we've we've covered some great topics. I think some of the key points that stood out was feedback needs to be constructive, it needs to be concise, and it needs to come in the right manner. It also needs to be born from a place of relationship. You can't just give feedback to someone and expect them to listen to it. You actually need to build or work on that relationship a bit. There's certain techniques that you can use or you can employ to deliver it well, like the desk, D-E-S-C, that we, we went over. So there's ways to deliver feedback as well. And I think we also covered that if you uh, deliver it badly, it can be super detrimental, not just to your organization, but also to personal relationships. And we do need to invest in those and make sure that they're good because we're not just in this for one project or for, for one uh, production. So DK, thank you very much for dialing in in our lockdown episode. We said we wouldn't talk about it, but we did a bit. But Rogue Minds will be back. We have another episode coming at you very shortly. So stay tuned. We look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.